Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Sounds good. Well, God is good. Amen? Amen. Um, today, we're talking about death. <laughs> and it's really interesting to begin um, talking, about, talking about death, especially... Um, from a, a perspective of the death of Jesus. And as we were preparing for our, our Easter series and how we're going to lead into Easter, um, I was really excited to get, um, to get this message. We always sit down um, a few weeks, several weeks before we're going to start a series, and um, we kind of divvy up the messages, and um, sometimes... Sometimes pastor asks me um, which ones that I, want, that I want to do. Sometimes he says, you're doing this one. And um, this time um, he said, you're doing this one. And I, was, I couldn't be happier because this is something that... Um, guys, I'm going to try to not be emotional today. Um, this is going to be real preachy today. Um, we're going to have some in-depth stuff too, but it's going to be real emotional and real personal um, because this is something that I've walked through uh, for the last, I would say, year. Um, this is something that I've walked through. And so um, I'm, going to, I'm going to be honest. Um, all this week, I have been so super hype about this message, and um, and this morning, I've been so super anxious about it, and um, because I, I know that as I bring this message that there's hope and there's healing um, for you, and I know that there's hope and there's healing for me, and so God has something good for you today. I know that. Um, I'm wearing, you guys have probably never seen me wear anything around my neck before. It's not something I do. Um, I have this cross um, that I'm wearing around my neck this morning, and um, I, I normally have it hanging on the rearview mirror of my truck. I'm going to talk about what it means, but it's extremely significant um, to me. I want you to notice that it's an empty cross because Jesus isn't on it. Amen? Because Jesus is in here. Amen? And Jesus is in this room and he's sitting beside you, and he rides in your car with you, and he walks with you, and he talks with you, and he lives with you, and he breathes with you, and Jesus is welcome in the house today. Is Jesus welcome in this house to sit next to you today? Amen. 
Praise God. I want you to take a minute. I just wanted you to tell him. Say, Jesus, you're welcome to sit next to me today. Amen. Amen. There's something that happens with that conscious reminder. I mean, yes, he's always with us. The scripture tells us that he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. But there is something special about that reminder that, Jesus, you're welcome here. He doesn't need reminded. We do. We need reminded that he is welcome in this place today. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you today for your love and your goodness. As I pray, will you pray for me today? Father, I thank you today for your goodness. God, I thank you today for your love and your acceptance. God, I thank you for your favor that is on us. I thank you that when we opened our eyes this morning that your mercy was renewed for us today. God, I thank you that your love is unfailing and that your faithfulness has extended to me through every single step. God, that you have pursued me. I thank you today that you've given us your Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us into all truth. And so today I pray that the words that I say, God, that they not be my words, but they be your words that will minister to those that hear through your Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And so we open up our hearts to you today to receive from your spirit. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Death is not final. Death is not final, but it's necessary. Death is not final, but it's necessary. Because without death, there's no resurrection. So death, even though it's not final, it's very necessary. And I would dare say that it's more necessary than you think. Because it's not something that just happens one time. It's not a one-time event. Death isn't something that just comes along. You turn the calendar. It's time to die. You die. Sometimes I think we, 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 we think this way because maybe we, we use this phrase or we hear it, man, it's just my time or, or my time has come or their time has come. And, but death isn't final and death is something that reoccurs. And I'm going to show you this in scripture today. Death is something that has to happen over and over and over again. Why? Because we need resurrection. And next week, pastor is talking about resurrection, and I told him this morning, I said, I, I have no idea what your message is. I kind of do now because we talked about it, but I said, I have no idea what your message is, and I hope that I don't infringe too much on it, but you cannot talk about death without talking about resurrection. I don't want to just leave you with some grim picture that we die and that's it, because death is not the end. Death is the catalyst for resurrection. See, the whole thing with death and spiritual death, and, and we, when we see death in Scripture, it simply means a separation. Death is a separation from, from a thought, from a pattern, from an idea, from, from a sin nature. From Death is a separation, a separation from God. That's the overwhelming theme of the Scripture. Man sinned and was separated from God. And from the moment that man sinned, from the moment that Adam and Eve take of the forbidden fruit that they should not have eaten from, they sinned against God and they were separated from his plan for them. 
They could not come into the presence of the Almighty. We see in the Old Testament where a sacrifice had to be made and the blood of bulls and goats and there had to be perfection. And if there wasn't perfection and if they forgot a sin, then the person would fall dead because they could not stand in the presence of God. In fact, in the Old Testament, we see that as people would enter into the Holy of Holies, they would have a string attached to them and a bell. And if the bell stopped ringing, they knew that the person was dead and they would just drag them out because they didn't get rid of their sin before they came into the presence of a holy and perfect God. But today, because of what Jesus did, the veil in the temple has been torn in two, and I can come boldly into the throne room of grace. The Bible says where I can obtain mercy and I can obtain grace to help me in my time of need. I don't have to attain perfection because Jesus attained perfection for me. Amen? Praise God. His death brought life to me. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages or the consequences for my sin is death. And every single one of us are in that same boat. Every one of us have sinned and fallen short of what God's standard is. We all have. But His grace has picked us up. We've all been separated and we needed Jesus to die. We needed it. We had to have it. Death was necessary. Death was necessary. When Jesus died, he paid the penalty of death, or the penalty, yeah, of death for the sin that we had committed, for the sin of the world. We had all been sentenced to death because of our sin. See, but I love this because what the enemy meant to be finality, see, the color red, it represents finality. And if you haven't read it, read the description that's out. That was crazy. I was going to be up in the club right here. Did you see that? If you haven't read the description that's out there of the color red, red symbolizes not only death, but it also symbolizes redemption. It symbolizes finality, but not only that, it symbolizes strength and courage. All of those things were wrapped up in Jesus. See, but the finality that Jesus experienced on the cross wasn't the finality that the enemy meant by it. In fact, the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, that if the rulers of this world would have known, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. They wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. See, the enemy meant it for finality, meaning we're getting rid of this Jesus guy because we're going to put him to death. But what God knew is that death didn't mean the end. Death meant the beginning. Because as soon as Jesus died, he said, it is finished. And he didn't mean my work here is done. He meant it is finished, meaning that everything that it took to bring us to this place where the people of God could stand in the redemption that is theirs was done. And Jesus Christ put to death, death forever. And then it began resurrection. Resurrection began. A new life began. It was the beginning. Jesus flipped the narrative about death. 
Because no longer was it final. It was the beginning. Death was the beginning. The Bible tells us, as it goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that the Father has prepared for them that love him. The things that the Father has prepared for you and prepared for me. Why is that? Because of the death of Jesus. Because Jesus died and it is finished and then Jesus rose again. See, man would say the death is the end, but Father, our Father says the death is the beginning because in order for there to be resurrection, there has to be a death. You have to be not only identified with his resurrection, but you've been identified with his death. We've been identified with his death on the cross. Let me show you. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. I think we have it up there. Romans 6, 11, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? Pastor's been talking about this, talking about sin and how some would say that the grace message gives you a license to sin, but I would say that the grace message gives you freedom from sin. It tells you how you're free from sin. It's not just a dead end. It's not an impossible task that's just out there. It gives you the freedom to break away, to know that you've been redeemed. The grace message gives us freedom. Shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? This tells me that Paul was being criticized over the exact same thing. He says, certainly not. I don't know how you get any more clear than that. Well, the grace message just gives you a license to sin. Paul said it so clearly. Shall we continue to sin so that we have more grace? No. Certainly not. But why? Why? Because he who has died to sin, how will he who has died to sin live any longer in it? I guarantee you that a person that is laying lifeless at their funeral is not tempted to sin. That person is not struggling with the same sin that they may have struggled with when they were in this life because they're dead. They're separated from that nature. It says, or do you not know See, he's telling us here the key. How will he who died to sin live any longer in it? Oh, maybe it's because you don't know. Maybe it's because you don't know. I need revelation. Maybe it's because I don't know. But he's saying, do you not, do you not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? That we're baptized is the Greek word baptizo. I don't say a lot of Greek words because I can't pronounce them. Pretty confident of that one, so that's why I said it. If you say, brother, that's not how you say that, I'm not gonna argue with you, man. It might not be. I don't know. 
But it's the same word, and, and, and you may have heard this before or heard us talk about it because it's so powerful, but it's the same word that it's talking about in the dying process. We're getting ready to die Easter eggs, maybe with your kids or your grandkids. I want you to think about this as you're dying Easter eggs. I'm baptizing this egg into this dye, and it'll never be white again. It'll never be white again because I'm baptizing it. I'm baptizing it, and it'll be forever changed. It's the same word that's talked about when you pickle a cucumber and it becomes a pickle forever. It'll never be a cucumber again. It'll always be a pickle. It can't ever be the same thing that it used to be. As you are baptized into Jesus' death, you'll never be the same as you used to be. Therefore, we were buried with him through the baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk. Say walk. Even though we should walk in new life. Just because you've been forever changed doesn't mean that you act changed. Doesn't mean that you have revelation of change. See, Paul said in the beginning of this passage that we should not continue to sin so that grace would abound. He asked the question, how, if you're dead to sin, how do you still live in it? Well, maybe it's because you don't know that you've been baptized into him. So, because you've been baptized, walk in newness of life. For we've been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection because I know this. This is the confession that we made upon salvation, right? That Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose again. I know this, that our old man, say my old man. My old man was crucified with him. Amen? Next slide. That the body of sin, (laughs) why was my old man crucified with him? So that the body of sin would be done away with, right? So that I would no longer be a slave of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Knowing, again it says that word, because I know. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, he doesn't die anymore, dies no longer, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, that the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, this word is huge right here, say reckon. Say it again. Say reckon. Likewise, you also say reckon. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. That word reckon, here's what it means. Are you ready? It's going to blow you away. This word reckon, it means to settle in your mind and speak as though you have experienced to settle in your mind and speak as though you have experience. Guys, I got excited about this word just because of the power of God that dropped inside my spirit when I read it, even before I knew what it meant. Because I knew there was something there that God has for us. 
See, some would say, some would say that in order to reach the point that we need to reach, to reach our potential, to climb out of the mess, that we have to hit rock bottom. Some would say, well, they just had to experience rock bottom in order to snap out of it. But I'm here to tell you today that God is so good that even though death is necessary, we don't have to experience loss with death. As a Christian, we don't have to experience loss because Jesus did. And so today, maybe you're struggling with sin, but maybe it's not only sin. Maybe you're struggling in your finances or or you're struggling in your relationships or maybe you're struggling in in your parenting or maybe today you're struggling in your job or, or, or maybe today, I don't know what the issue is. Maybe you're struggling in your health. Maybe you're struggling in your mental state. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus hit rock bottom for you so you can identify with him and you can say today that I don't have to be at my lowest to reckon myself dead and begin to speak as the one who has experienced death because Jesus lives on the inside of me and he suffered death for me. He suffered loss for me. He suffered pain for me. Jesus Christ died for me and I have been baptized into his death and I understand what he did for me and because I understand I reckon myself I have settled in my mind that I am no longer alive to sin but today I am alive to Christ and the old way has been put to death and today I stand as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus I reckon myself I've settled in my mind and I speak as the one who has experienced because the Holy Spirit lives in me and he is speaking through me. Amen? He is speaking through me. I experienced this because for for several years, there were certain things and ideas and behaviors that I just wasn't dealing with in my life. I knew I needed to, and I wasn't. And I could give you excuses and all the things, but they don't, they don't amount to much. And so I reached a point in my life in... December, December 4th of 2020, where I knew that I had to do something different. And I, I, knew, I knew what I had to do. I, I knew that I needed to reach out to somebody outside of my circle for help. And I'm not saying that there aren't great people in my circle. But I just didn't feel like at that point that I could open up. And so I remember that night, and I don't know how much I, I've told in here. I've told this story just a little bit, but 
I remember that night, Tiffany and I were arguing. I don't even remember what we were arguing about. It wasn't important. And it wasn't the root. It wasn't the cause. But one thing that, that we've never done in 20, August will be 20 years of being married. And one thing that we've never done is we've never left during a fight. That's just something we don't do. That's, that's a rule. But that night I knew I needed to leave. And so I told her, I, we, we've moved past, for the most part, we've moved past the whole like heated, raise your voice argument thing. And so it wasn't that kind of deal. But I collected myself and I said, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to the office. Um, she knew that I had been struggling mentally and I wasn't, um, I wasn't and have never been um, suicidal in my thoughts, and, but I didn't want to alarm her. And so um, I, have a, I have a gun that I carry everywhere with me. Um, I went and got it out of the truck and I put it on the bed. And I said, I, I don't want you to think anything. I, I know leaving is not in my character, but this is not why. I couldn't tell her. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, was very, I was very ashamed. And so I left and I came to the office. And I sent an email to someone that I had heard about my whole life, um, somebody that was friends with um, Terry Scott, who's my, who, who was a, a mentor to me, um, but not somebody that I knew. I sent an email and just said, man, I know that you counsel with ministers. I need help because I can't stay this way. And... Then I just, I sat in my office chair for about 20 minutes, and I got an email back from him. This was, if I remember right, I think it was a Friday night. I got an email back on a Friday night, and he said, let's start Monday morning. And I said, you got it. And so um, for eight weeks, um, I did an intensive counseling over Zoom um, with him. And then he plugged me into the most incredible group of guys um, for a small group, ministers from around the country. Most of them are ministers. And um, we open up to one another. Um, every Thursday night, 6 o'clock, I get on. Even some of you guys who have traveled with me and stuff like that, there's very few times that I don't get on, um, at least to listen. If I'm not where I can talk, at least to listen um, I, I guard that time because I need it. Um, I've started to develop relationships with many of those brothers that are on there. Um, and guys, it's been a process of resurrection. It's been a process of resurrection. And even this morning, <laughs> I texted Tiff this morning. She's in Dallas today at a cheer competition with Brooklyn and 
I texted her this morning. I said, hey, I'm going to talk about this today, and I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. Um, because even though I've, I've hinted around it, and there's still more to tell, you know, at some point, I'll, I'll tell some of it. It's just kind of as God is releasing me to do so. But the, the idea of vulnerability is, is scary, is scary. And I've seen loss um, in death. But if I didn't die to that old way, I could not have resurrection. I couldn't have resurrection. I had to die to the way I was thinking. I had to die to the status quo. Thank you. I am far from the point that I need to be, but I'm telling you what, it is night and day. I told my counselor the other day, I texted him, because I had, a, had another breakthrough, and um, just, it's, there's just some little things that I set out as goals, and had a breakthrough uh, Tuesday, this last Tuesday. And I texted him, and I said, hey, I just wanted to share this with you. And then I said, you know what? I never realized how difficult it would be, and I'm just being honest with you today, and I hope that you're okay with that. And if you're not, I'm sorry. I'm kind of, I'm not real sorry. Um, but I said, it is very difficult to heal in the public eye. It's very difficult. Because every day, and I'm not saying this to, 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 to have some kind of, you know, sympathy or anything like that. That's, I, I just, you guys are my family, and I haven't been able to share this. And, but to, to know that you're not right, but you're expected to be right all the time. And so to, to go through the process of healing when there's no reprieve is difficult. But God's grace is there. And I didn't have to reach the point of rock bottom because I began to reckon myself as dead. The reason why I have this on the rearview mirror of my truck is because every morning when I get in my truck, I look at it. And I say, Jesus was on this cross but he's not now. Because he put to death, death. And so the death that was working in me, it was leading me on a road to destruction. But now, I've begun to recognize on a greater level than I ever had before. I had the, the head knowledge. But on a greater level than I ever have before, I've recognized that I died with him on the cross. And so I reckon myself with the empty cross. And I speak as though I had experience because he had experience, because he died. And then his resurrection began resurrection in me. That's the word that we use In our small group every Thursday night, resurrection. 
resurrection. It's so important to me right here to see this I believe resurrection because I live resurrection every day. I experience resurrection every single day. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, verse 8 through 13, it says we are hard-pressed on every side. We are hard-pressed on every side. Anybody ever felt that way? You're hard-pressed on every side. It said we are hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. See, I love this, and I've never noticed it before until this week as I began studying this passage again. And I have preached out of this passage, guys, for 20 years. But it says we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. It doesn't say that we're not pressed anymore. It just says we're not crushed. Oh, we're hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. You know, a lot of times we want to shout hallelujah and run around the room and have a Holy Ghost moment and wave a, a, a hanky or a prayer cloth or whatever you want to call it, a Holy Ghost snot rag or whatever. And, but the thing is that this isn't that kind of scripture yet. He says we're hard-pressed on every side. He doesn't say, and then the pressure just goes away. He said you're hard-pressed, but you're not crushed. It's a little victories. It's a, just remember... You're not crushed. We're perplexed, but, but we're not in despair. You're still perplexed, but, but you're not in despair. You're persecuted, but you're not forsaken. See, there's still an element of persecution, but God is right there with you, right? You're, you're, you're persecuted, but you're not forsaken. And then it says you're struck down, but you're not destroyed. Why? Because we're always carrying about the body of the dying Lord Jesus so that the life of Jesus would be manifested in our body. So we who live are always delivered to, what does it say? I know you don't have it in front of you. You may not. Death. We're always delivered to death. Every one of us is always delivered to death. Why is it that in the middle of the hardest time in my life, I can know that Jesus is on my side, that he's, he's for me and he's not against me and have hope for resurrection? Why? Because I'm always delivered to death because there has to be death before there can be resurrection. And so when I said that every day I'm dying and resurrecting, it's because I'm always being delivered to death. Because death is necessary. But it's not final. But it's necessary. I'm always being delivered to death. Why? So that resurrection. So that the life of Jesus would be manifested in my mortal flesh. It says death is working in me, but life is working in you. So because I have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, therefore I believe and I speak. How do I speak? I speak as one who has reckoned themselves dead to sin and alive to God. I speak as the one who has died. I speak as the one who has been delivered to death. I speak as the one who went to hell for me. I speak as the one who rose again for me. Always, 
always delivered to death, always delivered to death so that I can have life, always delivered to death so that I can have life. I'm always delivered to death in every area of my life. Individually, I'm delivered to death so that I can have life. Let me tell you a story. Many of you have heard it before. It's found in John chapter 11, I believe. I didn't put that anywhere. We're going to start in verse 11. John chapter 11, I hope. It's the story of Lazarus. It says, now there was a certain man that was sick. This is important. I want you to notice the very first thing here, a certain man who was sick. Did I get that right, John 11? There was a certain man who was sick, and it's Lazarus of Bethany. The town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary that anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother, Lazarus, that was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, a lot of people have said over the years that this gives scriptural precedence that God makes you sick for his glory. That's not what he's saying there at all. And if we read the context of the scripture, we begin to understand it. I'm going to show it to you today that God didn't cause the sickness. He didn't cause the death, just like he didn't cause your death. But your death is necessary, and this death was necessary for the glory of God. God didn't cause it, but it was necessary. That was verse four. Let's go down to verse 11. I didn't start in verse 11. I started in verse one. John 11, verse one. Sorry, guys. Somebody typed this wrong. I typed my own notes, so it's whatever. Now, this is verse 11. It says, these things he said after them, our friend Lazarus, he's talking to his disciples, our friend Lazarus sleeps. But I go that I may wake him up. Lazarus sleeps. I'm going to go wake him up. And his disciples said, well, if he's just sleeping, he's going to get well then. Maybe he just needs to sleep it off. Just needs to rest a little bit. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. See, Jesus didn't view death as final. But they didn't understand. His disciples didn't understand yet. But Jesus didn't view death as final. So Jesus said it plainly to them. He said, Lazarus is dead. But I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, go to him. Let us go to him. And when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, the number four in Scripture, I'm not going to get way deep into a lot of this stuff, but the number four in Scripture, some of the meanings of it are self-fulfillment and maturity. This is important because Lazarus' death was necessary, but it wasn't final. Just like your death is necessary, even though it's not final. It begins resurrection. Why was he in the grave four days? Because he needed a time of maturity and self-completion. 
Sometimes when we put things to death, it takes a little bit before we start seeing a resurrection. Why? Because there needs to be a little maturity. We've been talking about maturity all this year. There needs to be a little maturity in the resurrection process. It's all part of the process. Lazarus had been dead in the tomb for four days. It says, now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. See, people mean well. People mean well, but only Jesus can bring resurrection. People mean well. There was nothing wrong with what they were doing, but he wasn't changing. They weren't changing the situation. They were trying to comfort them the best that they could. I think we need to stop when we're in a process that's hard for us, we need to stop trying to console ourselves with everybody's opinion, with reaching out to everybody and everything and reach out on social media and we reach out to people who are not leading us to the feet of Jesus. They can try to comfort all they want, but it's not gonna make a change in your life. Only Jesus can make a change in your life. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. She didn't wait for him to come. She was like, I got to see Jesus right now. Mary was sitting in the house, and it says, verse 21, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. The enemy will always try to get you to blame God. Always try to get you to blame God. But we know that he would have died anyway because it was necessary. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Well, Martha said to him, oh, I know that he'll rise again. In the resurrection at the last day, Jesus said, no, 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 I am the resurrection. Now, what you don't understand is you're in the presence of resurrection right now. So you may be thinking that those dead places in your life, those places where you struggle, that you will never reach your potential in them, that that ship has sailed. You've already buried it. You put it in the grave. You put the stone in front of it, and you said, that part of my life is just not a part where I'm going to experience victory in my life, and you've given up on it, and you said, well, I know that when I get to heaven, that my body will be healed. I know that when I get to heaven, I won't have these financial problems anymore. I know that when I get to heaven, my mind will be clear and I'll be able to see and I won't have to deal with this anxiety anymore. But for now, it's just my anxiety and I'm going to do the best that I can to get through it. And you think that that's a good attitude and you think that that is something that you need to just deal with. But the reality is that Jesus says, no, 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 I am the resurrection and I am present right here, right now to bring resurrection in your life. I am the resurrection. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. He who believes in me, uh, though he may die, he shall live, because death is not final. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die in the way that you think. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who was coming to the world. Verse 32, I'm going to skip. And then when Mary came 
where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying, Lord, she says it again. This is, Martha said it earlier, Mary says it now, Lord, if you would have just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where did you lay him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. This is very puzzling to me because Jesus the entire time had said, Lazarus sleeps, right? Lazarus sleeps, I'm gonna go wake him up. That's what he said from the very beginning. Lazarus sleeps, I'm gonna go wake him up. What did he say after that? Lazarus is dead, but I'm gonna go so that God's glory is revealed. The Mary and Martha, they both say, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, he's gonna live again. Don't worry, he's gonna live again. I am resurrection. I am here to do my job, and that's to resurrect. This is who I am. This is what I do. Yet, when he went to the grave, Jesus wept. Why did he weep? It was only going to take a couple minutes, right? I mean, he's this close. He's this close to Lazarus walking out of the grave, and Jesus knew it. He's been talking about it for days. But Jesus wept. Why did he weep? The Jews, they looked at him and they said, oh, see how he loved him? See how he loved him? Jesus is suffering a loss right now. See how he loved him? I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it at all. Because even when we take back death, it initially causes pain. Jesus was weeping not because of the loss of his friend, but at the very beginning of this passage, it says his friend was sick. His friend was experiencing pain. Jesus was grieved because of his friend experiencing pain, the one that he loved, because he never wanted him to go through the pain. Guys, I'm telling you this today to tell you, you don't have to be where I was. You don't have to walk around with the sickness. I want you to be free. I don't want you to experience the pain. Jesus didn't want his friend to experience the sickness and to experience the pain. Reckon yourselves as dead. Reckon yourselves as dead. God in his goodness has provided a way for us to reckon ourselves as dead because of Jesus. And we've identified with him. Jesus wept because of the pain that his friend endured. And then some geniuses said this, verse 37, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Sure, Jesus could have kept him from dying, but he would have never experienced resurrection. Sometimes we get into that place and we're like, Jesus, why didn't you just take this from me? You could have just taken it from me because you didn't reckon yourself as dead. And I'm not putting that on you, but I'm saying here, his grace was enough for you and it was enough for Lazarus. His grace was enough and resurrection power starts today. But I want you to get a hold of this truth no matter where you're at in your life today. I want you to get a hold of this truth and never let it go. That you don't have to 
experience pain because he experienced pain for you. And so maybe you're sitting here today and you're in the middle of something and you're like, Pastor Jason, I've already experienced pain. Man, I have too, but I'm not gonna go there again because I'm doing everything I can to know. What did Paul say? Oh, do you not know that you were baptized into him? Do you not understand? And then he begins to explain it because he's saying, I want you to understand. This is my heart today. I want you to understand. I want you to understand what he did for you. I want you to understand the sacrifice. I want you to understand that you were baptized into, your, into his death. And I want you to begin to reckon yourselves as dead to sin. And I want you to begin to speak as someone who was alive unto God because the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And he's given life to your body through his spirit that dwells in you. And so we can't change where we're at right now. We can't change the past. So start right now. Start right now. This is the revelation that has literally flipped the script of my life. Could this man not open, not keep this man from dying? He opened blind eyes. I'm going to read that again. Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. (laughs) I mean, yes, these were literal people that were in front of him that were blind, that Jesus, remember the, the man that Jesus spit on the ground and made the mud and he put it in the man's eye and the blind eyes opened. I believe there's two references in scripture where Jesus healed blind eyes. When we talk about spiritual eyes that are blinded, that God opens up, why does he open up spiritual eyes? So that we can see. So that we can see. You're like, man, that is the most simple thing, but think about it. He opens up spiritual eyes so that, he can, so that we can see. So that we can see our need for him. So that we can see his goodness. So that we can see that we need resurrection. So that we can reckon ourselves so that we can begin to see ourselves on the cross and we can begin to see ourselves when he said it is finished and we can begin to see ourselves in the grave and we can begin to see ourselves rising again so yes is it the same man absolutely but just because he opened blind eyes doesn't mean that there doesn't have to be death there still has to be death he opened the blind eyes so that you could see that you needed to die to some things so that he could perform resurrection as well. Could he stop it? He could. He could. But death is necessary. Verse 38, it says, Jesus groaned in himself and he came to the tomb and it was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. The law, the stone, anytime we see the word stone in scripture, I want you to train yourself to automatically think law. We teach a lot at this church about law and grace. The law will always exalt death and prevent resurrection. The stone always exalts death because you're never good enough. The law will always exalt death and the stone was standing in the way of Lazarus and resurrection. So he said, take that stone away. Take that stone away. Jesus ripped the veil, remember. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said, Lord, by this time there's a stench. Why? Because dead things stink. 
You know what's interesting? Before we deliver ourselves to death, we didn't know that we stunk. Everybody else knew, but you didn't know. It was like, what's that smell? Not me. It was not me. I don't know. It was you. Dead things stink. He was dead for four days. Maturing stinks sometimes, right? Painful sometimes. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? Well, here you go. He took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because the people that are standing by, I said this, so that they would believe that you sent me. It's not me, it's you, God, is what he's saying. Verse 43, now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped in a cloth because sometimes when we're resurrected, we still like to carry death with us a little bit. Now is the time that you just drop death off. You drop death off. See, Lazarus, the stone was rolled away. Jesus shouted out. Life was given to those places that were dead. Yeah, death was necessary. Maturing was happening. And Lazarus was made alive. He comes out of the grave, but he still got death all over him. He walked around still like he was dead. How many times as Christians are we freed, but we're still walking around like we're dead? We need to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. What did Jesus say? Loose him and let him go. He doesn't need those things anymore. He's not going to be bound anymore. Loose him and let him go. Some of you have died to sin, but you're still walking around with your grave clothes on. It's time to loose them and let him go. They're not a part of who you are anymore. Guys, when I got a revelation that I have been identified with Jesus' death, these are things that I have been taught my literal entire life. Pastor Daniel has said it many times. I came home from the hospital. I don't know what day it was, but I guarantee you, if it was Saturday night, I was in church Sunday morning. My entire life, I've heard this message, yet the enemy still worked a number on me, and I had to, you guys may hear this word. I don't know if you hear it or not. I'm going to do a series on it at some point, but you may hear this word, deconstruction. And usually what that word deconstruction means is I'm breaking down my faith and then I go off on these weird ideas that have nothing to do with God. But I believe there's a place in the body of Christ for deconstruction, especially for many of us that have grown up in church our entire life. Why do I believe what I believe? Is it just because I've heard it my entire life? I've heard it for so long? Or is there a revelation in there that I'm not walking in just because it's become second nature to me? It's become ho-hum to me. Second nature is not the right word. It's become ho-hum to me. I've become complacent. And so as I begin to break this down in my own life, I got a greater revelation, a stronger revelation than I've ever had before that I've been identified with Jesus' death. 
His death becomes my death. I begin to talk like someone who's dead to sin. I begin to walk like someone who's died to sin. I begin to think like someone who's dead to sin. I act like someone who's dead to sin. I have boldness. I have purpose. I have assurance. I have provision. I have health. I can walk around with my head held high knowing that I'm a child of the living God and that resurrection is working in me. walk around like someone who's chosen. Someone who knows resurrection power. I'm going to close with this. Let's go ahead and have the team come up. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56, it says this. The sting of death is sin. And the power, the strength of sin is the law. The sting of of sin is death. The sting of death is sin. But the sting has been flipped because death still has sting. He goes on in that same passage. He goes, oh grave, where is your sorrow? Oh death, where is your sting? See, not only is he mocking the enemy saying, your sting isn't there. He's saying, where's that sting? Because I don't feel it anymore, but I bet you do. I bet you do, because that death isn't stinging me, but it's stinging you, because you thought death was final, (laughs) but it's not. Death means beginning, because it means resurrection is now present in me. You thought you were going to destroy me, just like you destroyed Jesus, so you thought, right? And then he knocked on your door, right? Death, it's not final. Where's your victory? Death. Oh, I thought, I thought this was the great victory. I thought this was the, the victory to end all victories, that you were going to take out Jesus, that this was going to be it. But if you would have known, you wouldn't have crucified him because what happened is when he said it is finished, he didn't mean it is finished, my life is done, but he meant it is finished, meaning you're finished, meaning your work is finished, and now the sting that you thought was coming to me, it's back on you. The sting today is in the kingdom of darkness. The sting today. It's like a taser. (laughs) It's like a taser every time. Every time I'm delivered to death all day long and I see death working in my life, then I put to death death. And as I begin to put to death, death, and I realize that Jesus Christ is not here, he's not on this cross, that means resurrection's in me. Because I died today, I'm alive. Death has brought me to a place of resurrection. Romans 8, 10, last thing before a confession. It says, and if Christ is in you, the body of sin, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit that dwells in you. You guys stand with me today. I want you to say this confession. It's going to be on the screen. I want you to say this confession. 
Say, thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. Today, I have been baptized into Jesus' death. That means my sin was put to death on his cross. And resurrection is working in me. It's the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. So today I have firm resolve to not walk according to the old patterns that have been put to death. But to walk as one who has been resurrected. And I call every piece of ground that I touch to flourish with the resurrection power of God that is present in me through the finished work of Jesus. Guys, I'm going to put that later on on our social media. I want you to go over that. I know it's a little lengthy, but I want you to read it. I want you to make it yours. Death is not final, but it's necessary. Along with that, I want you to identify what places in my life need to be put to death. What places in my life do I need to start a resurrection power in? Take those and write them down. Just one thing that I do, I use the notes app on my phone. Maybe you're not, you know, inclined to do something like that, but I get real nervous about, <laughs> I get real nervous about writing things down sometimes because I, sometimes I don't want people to find the notes. But in my notes app on my phone, you can put a password on a note. Just being honest, guys, that's just some things that I do. Find something that works for you. But keep it in front of you. Keep it in front of you. Resurrection working in you. If you've never received Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, it's the first step in resurrection. That activates resurrection because your old man has had a cycle of death for a long, long time. Death has been working in you since the beginning. But let's put to death, death today so the resurrection can begin. And let's flip the script on death. And we do that by inviting Jesus in. We're inviting resurrection. Remember, he said, I am the resurrection. So let's invite him in. If you've never received Jesus and you want to, whether you're in the room or you're watching online, I want you to say this prayer with me. And the word of life, we all say it. 
Not because we have to say it every week or anything like that, but it's, it's for you. Because we're a community of people who love Jesus and we love you and we support you. So say this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose again. And today I confess you as my Lord because I need you. I can't do it on my own. And so today, by accepting your resurrection, I put to death, death, so that your resurrection can work in me. Thank you, Jesus, for always pursuing me and I give my life to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we wanna hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love 